Good morning. Welcome to Breakfast with Kent for Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. It's not Monday. Yesterday was Monday. It was Labor Day. Today's Tuesday, first day of the work week. Don't get it twisted. Go to work today and know that it's Tuesday. And then three days from now, it's going to be Friday and it's all going to be okay again. Anyway, in my neighborhood, today's garbage day. That's the way it works. We're brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best dentist I've ever gone to, the only dentist I've gone to the last 26 years. He's the best. Give him a call. Make him your dentist today. 317-849-2933. A lot of the national pundits are making their predictions for the NFL playoffs. We are on the precipice of the NFL season. It starts in just two days. The Colts, they play the first game on Sunday. And the Colts, a lot of people nationally are leaving the Colts off their postseason prediction list. And people in Indianapolis are furious. Look, I think the Colts are going to go to the playoffs. All right, I think they're going to win the AFC South. But to get mad at national guys, analysts, for predicting that the Colts aren't going to go to the playoffs, why are you upset? Look. Here's what the Colts were last year. They were 7-9, and nine, right? They added, as their starting quarterback, a guy who was 5-11 and 11 and threw 20 picks last year for the Chargers. How do you think that that adds up to the untrained eye? That adds up to the Colts going to the playoffs. It doesn't make any sense. Of course, the Colts are getting older, and, and that's a good thing. And the offensive line congealed last year. And they're going to be better this year if they stay healthy. You draft a guy like Jonathan Taylor. You draft a guy like Michael Pittman. We think they're going to be game changers. You sign a guy like DeForest Buckner. Yes, yes, yes. The three technique is what makes its defense go. But in to a national guy who's looking at 32 different teams, what the hell does he see? He sees the 5-11 and quarterback and the 7-9 and team. That does not add up to the postseason unless you believe wholeheartedly in what Chris Ballard's doing. And it, it, here's what I don't get, though. I got, I got to say this. I love Chris Ballard. I love what he's doing and how he's put the team together. And I believe 100% in the methodology that he's using. But the Indianapolis Star, with, with a headline at IndyStar.com, why the Colts are the kings or, or whatever of the waiver wire, what the hell are you talking about? What, what's that even mean? Three seasons under Chris Ballard. The Colts don't go to the playoffs twice. Now, granted, they had Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback for both those seasons. That's a mitigating factor. But how you look, or anybody would look at anything that the Colts have done over these three seasons and, and try to run around Monument Circle with some kind of freak flag saying that Ballard's a genius, the evidence just does not support that. I believe it. You believe it if you're in Indianapolis, but the facts in evidence do not support that takeaway. It doesn't. Speaking of takeaways, Colts are going to have to figure that out on Sunday. Got to get takeaways against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've got Minshew as the starting quarterback, Fournette's gone. So what are they going to do with the running game? They got to throw the ball to win, right? Which means guys like Malik Hooker, they got to go get, they they got to go pick the ball off. Darius Leonard, get a pick. Malik. Get it, pick. Rock your scene. Lock your guy up. Let's go. Rock the lock. How about that? That's a pretty good nickname for a kid, right? Uh, but the Colts this weekend need to do something. Two things. One they haven't done since 13. One they haven't done since 14. They haven't won at Jacksonville since 2014. 
They haven't won their season opener since 2013. How the hell is that possible? For the love of God, they got to get both those things done. They are an eight-point favorite heading into the opener. And in these situations that the Colts are in, an eight-point road favorite, somewhere between a seven and a nine-point road favorite, 53 times this has happened since the opener in 2015. And the Colts, the team in the Colts situation, has won 83% of the time. The Colts, they look good this weekend. Nice, soft opener. This isn't playing the Chiefs in the opener. It's playing the Jaguars, maybe the worst team in the NFL, at least on paper, headed into the opener. We can only hope the Colts find a way to win this game. Uh, game will be on Fox 59, by the way. One o'clock start, as you would expect. And this, I think, is going to be the only game with fans in the stands. Uh, <clears throat> 25% full at Jacksonville this weekend. I don't understand the 2,500 uh, for the Colts, uh, the Colts opener. Wait, uh, it, the place holds 65,000 people. 2,500? You, you, could, you could put about a dozen in each section and have 2,500 people there. Why not 10%? 6,500. Why not 10,000? I, I don't understand how they arrived at this number. Anyway, I don't understand how we're arriving at a lot of numbers, but that's a story for a different day. Tom Jernstedt passed away uh, over the weekend, and that's sad. Uh, Tom Jernstedt, a terrific adopted Hoosier, came here when the NCAA moved here back in 2000. Uh, he ran NCAA events back to like 1974 when he was 27 years old. Ran his first NCAA tournament then, as we know it, the men's basketball tournament. What it exploded into is due in large part to the work of Tom Chernstead. He's one of those guys behind an event that a lot of people didn't know. Great dude, uh, great legacy of helping student-athletes enjoy things. And uh, the money that the NCAA uh, reaps and their member institutions reap because of the men's basketball tournament due in large part to the work of Tom Chernstead. Like I said, that's a hell of a legacy. Uh, NBA playoffs last night, the Celtics routed Toronto. They were up uh, 62-35 at the half, and, and that game was a runaway from start to finish. Good for the Celtics. They're up 3-2 to two in that series. We want to see Brad Stevens do well. We want to see Brad. I'd love to see Brad Stevens win an, NC, or an NBA title. That would be terrific. And we keep hoping, right, as Hoosiers, that he's going to come back and he's going to coach someplace in his home state. I don't think that's going to happen because I think the Celtics team is good enough to beat the Raptors. They're going to win one of these last two games. And then who are they going to play, right? Are they going to play the Heat? They could beat the Heat four out of seven and go to the NBA Finals. They sure as hell could. And I, I think that they could beat uh, the Milwaukee Bucks at the Bucks managed to come back from that 3-0 deficit that they dug for themselves. Now it's 3-1. They got game five tonight. We'll see. Got a chance to go 3-2. If the Heat win this series in five, what does that mean for Nate McMillan? What does it mean for Mike Budenholzer, right? Nate, not looking quite as bad right now as he did when the Pacers lost that series uh, in, in four straight. 
right? Because the Heat looked pretty damn good. I think they should have won the other night. That game goes to overtime, but they may, the Heat may live to regret that. No team in NBA history has ever fought back from a 3-0 deficit. This time, I, I think there's a chance. I think the Bucks have a shooter's chance if Antetokounmpo's ankle responds to treatment and he can play at, let's say, an 80% level tonight and throughout the rest of the series. Uh, Serena, oh, by the way, the Clippers beat the, uh, beat the Nuggets 113-107. I don't like talking about it because Paul George played well, and if Paul George didn't play great last night, there's no way the Clippers win that game. Paul George had 32 points, 5 of uh, seven from beyond the arc. George, without George, the Clippers were six of 24. That's 25%. Now look, I don't know a lot about uh, math, but six into 24, I can Jethro Bodine that to 25%. I got no problem ipso factoing the math for uh, six of 24. Uh, the Nuggets, they were eight of 10 from the line. The Clips, they were 20 of 26. There's your game. You don't think that the NBA wants a team from Los Angeles in the NBA Finals and a semifinal, a Western Conference Final between the Lakers and the Clippers, you are out of your mind. Can you imagine the, the dearth of ratings and audience if the NBA Finals are, let's say, uh, you know, hell, pick a team from the East, right? It doesn't matter, Milwaukee, Miami, uh, Boston, that'd be a little bit sexier, or Toronto. Pick one of those teams. And then out of the West, the Nuggets, right? It would owe Nielsen viewers, for God's sake. Nuggets and the Heat, Nuggets and the Raptors, nobody would watch. I wouldn't watch. Serena Williams, she moves to the quarterfinals. Uh, tough three-setter yesterday in, uh, in Queens, so... There you go. Novak Djokovic, if you didn't see it the other day, he was DQ'd from the U.S. Open because in anger, he swatted a ball and it hit a line. It hit a line judge. It's not good to laugh, but it hit her right in the throat and dropped her. Boom. Went down to the ground. She's like, Ugh. Djokovic understands what that means, and that's black letter law in tennis. You hit a ball in anger and it strikes a linesman, you are going to be disqualified, Djokovic was, and so the men's uh, bracket without Federer, without Nadal, without Djokovic, that is to tennis, men's tennis, as the NBA Finals would be with the Nuggets and the, and the Raptors. Nobody is going to watch. Uh, the Cubs, uh, oh, wait a minute, Dustin Johnson yesterday, how about DJ? DJ wins the FedEx Cup. Do you know the financial bounty you, you reap? from winning the FedEx Cup, $15 million. $15 million for, for winning a golf tournament. That is insanity. What are we doing? You give me $15. This is one paycheck that that guy's going to get $15 million. I get $15 million, bye-bye. You'll never see me again. I'll never work another day in my life. I'm going to sit by the pool. I'm going to enjoy pina coladas. I'm going to go to bed whenever I want, get up whenever I want, do whatever I want. DJ, retire. Call it a career. All done. I know he'd, he'd like to do some other things. He'd like to win some majors. Sure. He's motivated by more than cash, or he probably would have cashed out years ago. Uh, the Cubs, 
They won 5-1 yesterday over St. Louis. Thank God for you, Darvish and Kyle Hendricks, because without those two guys, the Cubs, I don't think they'd have won a game in the last month. Uh, Hendricks was really, really good yesterday through eight. I wish he'd have thrown the ninth, because why not? Why would you turn it over to the bullpen? They have gacked up more games for the Chicago Cubs than any starter has. Uh, Cubs not playing good baseball unless one of those two guys is on the mound. They're two and a half up in the National League Central over the Cardinals. I still think they're going to finish fourth. They got 18 games left in the season. Three games set uh, today, tomorrow, Thursday against the Cincinnati Reds. And then they go to Milwaukee, which is like Chicago North. And uh, we'll, we'll see what they do. But unless Darvish or Hendricks are on the mound, I go to the sports book and bet against the, uh, bet against the Cubs every single day, and I would make a lot of money. Uh, Lou Brock died over the weekend. Lou Brock, the pivotal piece of the worst trade in Chicago Cubs history. In 1963, the Chicago Cubs, despite a lot of bad everywhere else, the College of Coaches, all that crap, they finished 82-80 and 80 in the National League and really looked like they were in ascension in 1963. You had on that team four starters who wound up going to the Hall of Fame, Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Ron Santo, and Lou Brock. The Cubs, they sent to the Cardinals Lou Brock, Jack Spring, and Paul Toth. The Cardinals sent back Ernie Brolio, who is at the end of his effectiveness, decent career, but the end of his effectiveness, Doug Clemens, and Bobby Shantz, who was way at the end uh, of his career at the age of 38. What did the Cubs reap from that? Nothing but pain. Because if you put together, if you keep Lou Brock through the prime of his career, along with, uh, and look what he did in the World Series uh, of 64, 67, and 68. He was fantastic with an OPS of better than 1,000. And you've got Williams and Santo and Banks. You go to the World Series, maybe in 68, maybe in 69, 70, the cut, that one trade derailed the Cubs' hopes of doing a whole lot of good. You could have moved Billy Williams to right field. You got uh, Brock in left center. Eh, Adolfo Phillips was fine. A terrific infield. Randy Hundy, Hundley behind the plate. You got the rotation that the Cubs had. You are going to win world championships. They didn't. Let's celebrate some birthdays, shall we? Gorgeous Monday in central Indiana. I know uh, the weather is haywire everywhere else. We just came back from Florida where the high was in the 90s every day. High yesterday in Denver. Uh, yesterday, 93. Today, it's in the 40s. Tomorrow, it's going to be in the 30s. They're going to get maybe a foot of snow. What? Crazy weather, except for right here. Fires ravaging the state of California, but in central Indiana, all is lovely, as it always is. Indiana, very few tornadoes. Uh, no hurricanes, obviously. We have no waterway, really, uh, other than that very thin sliver of Lake Michigan up in the northwestern uh, portion of the state. You have no fires. We, we have no nothing. We, we just got sunshine, applesauce, and bouquets of lovely flowers. That's what we got in central Indiana. And low taxes and a sane state government with a financial surplus. Why wouldn't people move here? I don't know. Real estate prices incredibly low compared to Chicago what are you doing in Chicago if you can work anywhere why the hell would you choose to work in Chicago if you're working at home 
instead of central Indiana. You can buy like six times a house you can get in Chicago for the same money down here. Doesn't make sense. Let's celebrate birthdays, shall we? Uh, Cindy Stewart Harcourt celebrating a birthday. Happy birthday to Cindy Lou Who. Uh, Joe Carney, happy birthday. The great Heather Harris celebrating a birthday. Sam King, uh, Stephen Lance, happy birthday. Stephen Scott, happy birthday. The great Karen Amendola, incredibly smart person, celebrating a birthday. Great classmate for years and years in Lake Bluff, Illinois. Stephen Kleinberg, the great, great flea, celebrating a birthday. Amanda Smith and Brent Elmers. Brent Elmers, who could chest trap, a bit, not chest trap a ball, but he could chest a soccer ball harder then he could kick it. Unbelievable, Brent Elmers. Uh, if today's your birthday, you celebrate like hell. If it's not your birthday, you celebrate somebody else that's best done with an honest and specific compliment today. Inside Indiana Sports Now, that'll post a little bit later. We're going to talk to the coordinators of the Indianapolis Colts. Is it, are, are they, uh, do they reap an advantage from other teams not seeing their tape? Or is it kind of at a deficit, a learning deficit, that they don't have any tape uh, of teams after a preseason? Is it better for the Colts or worse for the Colts? I think it's probably kind of come see, come saw, right? Kind of fitty-fitty. They haven't seen us. We haven't seen them. But with Phillip Rivers, new quarterback Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., I think that maybe the Colts, are uh, they're going to benefit from other teams, at least early in the season, from not seeing them play. We'll talk about that coming up at, oh, let's say 1 o'clock-ish this afternoon after Sirianni and Eberflus get done talking to us. We'll have all of that for you coming up, as we do every single day. I know we took a long weekend. Now we're back at it. We're grinding as always. Let's go.